What is up, Steelers Nation? What it do? It's your boy Daniel J coming back at you with another podcast on this beautiful Saturday morning. Another State of the Steelers podcast brought to you by the family of podcasts of Behind the Steel Curtain. Hope everybody's having a fantastic week. It's been a victory week. So finally feels that majority of us can kind of hang our head a little bit higher as we've known that the Steelers are back on the winning side, especially after four weeks of constant losing and and in some cases getting demolished by the Buffalo Bills. Getting back into the winning circle feels amazing. And you know what, guys? I was in stadium. I was in Shore Stadium watching the game. It was it was fantastic. And, you know, I'll, before we get into today's show, I'll talk a little bit about that. You know, the atmosphere in that place was amazing. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense rose to the occasion, uh, especially how depleted they were in the secondary. It was a game that, you know, you couldn't stay off your toes, so to speak, because Tampa Bay was never out of it. And when you have Tom Brady, you know, you got to – Got to have to stay on those toes for a little bit longer than you you want to. But the P- Pittsburgh Steelers came out victorious, twenty to t- twenty to eighteen, and a um, in a victory, in my opinion, that you know the Steelers, especially defensively, kind of sort of turning a corner a little bit. We'll get into that. So, title of today's show is can can the Steelers return? to form or respectability after this upcoming next game. You know, last week it was, can the Steelers start the climb? They made that one step. They're still behind. They're currently last still in the AFC North, but, you know, tied. They're they're not no longer last and la- <laughs> the only uh, team with the worst record or the, the worst team in the, with the worst record in the division. They're only one game away currently. Uh, from first place in the division. So, you know, some things, some things turn, turn away the Pittsburgh Steelers. You never know. Any given Sunday, this weekend might end up better than we could ever imagine, especially, you know, before last week's game when the Steelers were looking at one and five and the Pittsburgh Steelers were looking at having the top draft pick in the NFL draft had the season ended at that point. But just like a football game is 60 minutes, an NFL season is 17 games long, and the Pittsburgh Steelers were just getting into the second quarter of the season. So there's still a lot of football to play, and let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about the offense first. And, you know, one other question that I have is, can, can the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base enjoy a victory? Can we enjoy some success? You know, the Steelers finally win, and then all of a sudden, boom, reports. Deontay Johnson is fighting with Mitch Trubisky. Claypool is getting traded. <laughs> Boz is is talking bad about about the offensive coordinator Matt Canada, which on that last one would be funny if it was true. And uh, I think it's a little bit of a stretch, but we'll we'll get into that as well. So the first thing that comes out after the Pittsburgh Steelers victory is that Deontay Johnson and Mitch Trubisky got into some altercation, verbally probably, um, during the halftime game of the uh, Jets game and in which where Kenny Pickett made his uh, quarterback uh, NFL debut in the second half there. It was reported that it was possible that the uh, argument there is what led to the Pittsburgh Steelers benching Mitch Trubisky. And I don't think that's true guys. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, you know, 
You don't bench your starting quarterback when there's an altercation, a serious altercation, if at that, one that required a benching, you know, over the wide receiver who the ball bounced off his hands and into the hands of a defensive player. And also the receiver who didn't get his feet in bounds. I mean, those two plays right there, if you think about it, could have altered this season completely and radically. I mean, you think about, you know, does Kenny Pickett even come in at that point? If Pittsburgh Steelers scored a touchdown on that play, you know, they extend uh, the interception doesn't happen and they're able to extend uh, that drive down the field and put some points on. I don't think so. I, I don't think we see Kenny Pickett if, if those things happen. Now, was it the right move? 100%. I, I totally believe it. You know, I, I think that Kenny Pickett is definitely the right move. And I know there's a lot of talk out there that, hey, Mr. Bisky played a fine half last week and, uh, you know, coming in for the concussed, and I put that in quotation marks, concussed Kenny Pickett. Now, statistically, yeah, sure. Mr. Bisky outperformed him. But one performance when a team isn't prepared for you uh, isn't going to, in my opinion, outdo what Kenny Pickett has put out there up to this point. And to go back to my quotations on the concussion port, port, uh, part or him being concussed, is I totally understand it. I totally get it. You know, take the player out. He hit his head on the ground. Um, you know, you stay on the side of precaution, so to speak, or err on the side of precaution. But when you look at you know, I was sitting in that end zone. I was fairly close to where uh, I was in the lower level of that end zone, fairly close to the uh, the front there, maybe about 15 rows up. And, you know, I saw the hit on Kenny Pickett. I followed the ball in the air, and so I saw Deontay Johnson catch it. And then when I uh, looked back down, I saw that there was a flag thrown. And I saw Kenny Pickett on the ground. I was like, oh, no. Now, from the angle and from what I've seen, at that point, I didn't see his head hit the ground or anything like that. I saw him reaching and grabbing towards his rib area, maybe his abdomen. Um, he got up, he walked, and he went down to one knee. And from where I could see, it looked like he was sucking in air. In my opinion, in my first reaction, not seeing his head hit the ground, I assumed he had the wind knocked out of him. You know, they put him in the blue tent and said he was going to the locker room at that point. I was like, oh, no, maybe there's a rib injury. You know, the concussion didn't really um, didn't really come to me watching him, watching him walk off the field, watching him get up off the ground and things of that nature. But I get it. You know, once you see what has happened to, you know, the opponent's quarterback to it, to it. Uh, <laughs> and I apologize. I'm probably going to, you know, butcher his name so much, but it's to a tag of Iola. I hope I said that right. You know, that was a scary situation that happened a few weeks back. You know, he, in my opinion, went down the first time he was shaking his head, you know, wobbled and things of that nature, which aren't don't really fall on the same side of being a uh, back injury as what he alluded to. But, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything like that. So he went into their protocol, cleared, came back on the field, came back the next week against Cincinnati and took a spin around sack, which you know, created some kind of whiplash effect to the back of his head when he collided onto the ground. And he went into some weird fencing positioning with his fingers and the NFL and, and fan base hadn't seen him since. And in my opinion, that was the right move. 
Um, I understand that, you know, their coach had came out and said that uh, they had seen, you know, Tua on the plane and, and Tua was doing, looked like he was in good spirits and that he was laughing and watching a, uh, some kind of show. And uh, so what, you know, you can't, you know, you can't look at that and say, Hey, you know what? There was not a concussion. He's going to be fine. He should be eligible to to play the next week. And there was a domino effect that had carried on from there. I mean, you saw players like Teddy Bridgewater from the Miami Dolphins as well get pulled out. Supposedly, there have been reports that he passed the concussion protocol test um, when they pulled him out of the game that he was pulled out of, and yet he wasn't allowed to return just because of the fact that he had hit his head. Uh, I completely get it. You know, be be on the side of safety. These players, you know, they're they're human beings. They perform for us as a form of entertainment. But they're li- they're they're humans. They have lives. They have families. You know, Bill Cower said it. You know, one of his things he used to say is, and I got this from uh, one of the players speaking. I can't remember which one, but Bill Cowher, he he stated that be soft, but don't be stupid. It may have been Ben Roethlisberger off of his channel. And, you know, I sat, I sat there and I thought about that and I was like, you know, that's, that's true. You know, you, you, these players are going to play with bumps and bruises and things that are associated with the physicality of this football game that they play. But at the same time, you got to be smart about some of the decisions that you're making especially when it comes to the brain, you know, you can, you can uh, get surgery for your knees or for your, your ankles or, or ribs or whatever the case may be, you can heal things of that nature. But once you have a serious brain injury, I don't think there's a surgery out there that can fix those things. Not yet, at least. And so I understand it. I understand the air of, of precaution. So, you know, once, once I heard that, Kenny Pickett was going in for the concussion protocol. I assumed he wasn't going to come back into the game. And sure enough, he didn't. But the fact that he's been a full participant participant up to this point where I'm recording this leads me to believe that he probably passed those tests. Because once he, when you're entered into the concussion protocol, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a concussion. That just means they are evaluating you for signs of a concussion to make sure and to clear you for the game. And so Pickett coming back this week, um, I'm, I'm not really surprised. I'm glad that he's coming back. That leads me to believe that the uh, he didn't suffer a severe head injury when he collided to the ground. Tua, Tua Tag, uh, Viola is coming back. You know, he's been gone for a couple weeks. He's going to have some rust, in my opinion. I think you know, if the Pittsburgh Steelers can limit his time on the field, by maintaining the ball and, and holding onto the ball and, and maintaining a positive time of possession, uh, then that'll allow that'll force to uh, to you know take a little bit longer to shake off that rust. You know, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to be a tough game. This really is, but I think this is a game the Pittsburgh Steelers can win. Now, In my opinion, like I said before, Kenny Pickett's going to be playing. I think that's a smart decision. I understand that Mitch Trubisky, 
you know, statistically may have outperformed him, but you know, looking at the eye test and looking at the at the at the game itself, it's just there's two different it's 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 two different. You know, there's if an NFL defense is preparing for you and there's a game plan and things of that nature, that's one thing. But you know, if you're coming in lieu of a injury, then they're not quite prepared for you as much. So you can see some advantages there. You know, we've seen Mitch Trubisky play this, you know, for the first quarter of the year. We know who he is. And I'm glad that we have him on our team as a backup. I know now that, hey, you know what? I've been saying it. He was a guy that I thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers could use to get the Steelers out of a stadium if need be. Maybe not a franchise guy, not the guy indeed. You know, maybe one of the, maybe a starter capable guy. Just not the top guy on this team. I think Kenny Pickett is that guy. He showed up during the first half. That first series that he had, that was uh, where they went down and scored a touchdown. That was amazing. That was good. That felt good to finally have an opening drive touchdown and and a pass. But speaking about touchdowns and passes, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers finally have a receiver catch a ball in the end zone, and now everybody wants to trade him away. <laughs> and that's Chase Claypool. There's been a bunch of rumors coming in and around the NFL that he's potentially going to Green Bay. You know, if this happens, I don't foresee this happening this week. You know, at the time of recording this, which is Thursday evening, uh, I think it's too close to the game. But this won't uh, this this won't age well if he ends up getting dealt. But I think it's too close to the game. And when you look at his production up to this point, as much criticism as he received, rightfully so, because of his, you know, the fact that he falls down a lot when he's trying to catch the ball, doesn't always high point the ball. He's played a little bit better, in my opinion, these last couple of weeks. He's been a little bit more aggressive. And I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have been putting him in a better or in a more successful position, playing him more in the slot and, you know, also returning to the jet sweep ga uh, game with him and allowing him to use his physicality and his. Um, his size and his strength as advantages for him. I, I think he's he's a suitable wide receiver. I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver one. He could be a wide receiver two in the right you know right situation with the right offensive coordinator and the right you know scheme. I think he can be a solid number two receiver. But with that said, you know, if Green Bay comes in with like a second round or, you know, they're willing to to get rid of their uh, their top corner out there and eh, maybe maybe pick up the phone. You know, I'm pretty sure the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to pick up the phone regardless of who it is just to kind of entertain the idea. However, I don't think it happens. And I think if the Pittsburgh Steelers end up winning this week and he ends up performing in a similar fashion or in an upward trajectory and, and performs better than he did previously. I don't think he leaves this year. He's on a, you know, he's still on his rookie contract. He still has, you know, this remaining season, next season under this contract that the Steelers can kind of control and maintain. It, I don't know if he's the guy the Pittsburgh Steelers need to, to get rid of. Regardless of the criticism, he's a young guy, and he might be able to turn that corner. I mean, he hasn't been that showboat that unable to control his emotions like he did in 
in Minnesota last year when he was more concerned about, you know, giving a first down symbol or sign versus handing the ball off to a uh, to a referee in, in a crucial time sensitive moment. But this is gonna be this will be a good game. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers offense they're gonna need to maintain the maintain the uh, possession of the ball. Um, I expect a few players to be coming back on offense. You know, we have uh, Pat Fryermuth, who's been a full participant up to this point in the uh, concussion protocol this week. I expect him to be back on the field. Mason Cole and and James Daniels, they both are dealing with ankle injuries. They've been a little bit limited. Um, one concern that I have is uh, Steven Sims with a hamstring. He's not participated um, up to this point. I'm sure he, he may be a limited participant as of Friday or or as of um, uh, uh, Saturday walkthrough. But at this point, he's not participated. A hamstring issue, issues can linger. Last week, you know, everybody knows what the ha- that hamstring did for the secondary of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I do see some guys coming back offensively. Uh, it's another game with Najee Harris getting getting the ball, getting more comfortable with this offense. He's going to have to have a bigger game this week. He's going to have to, you know, take control of the game, in my opinion. You know, if the Pittsburgh Steelers want to keep this dynamic receiving core uh, of the Miami Dolphins off the field, they need to maintain possession of the ball. And the best way to do that is with Najee Harris. But I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers offense can do so, and I think they're going to um, they're going to put up some points in this game. I think they're getting comfortable. I think the timing is getting down. I think the Steelers are getting – that chemistry is building with the quarterback and the receivers. Uh, this could be a uh, – we're going to need an offensive performance here, and I think the Steelers are going to be able to come through. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be uh, switching over to the – to the other side, the dark side, as I call it, we talk about our Steelers defense and our keys to victory against the Miami Dolphins is tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night on primetime. So don't go anywhere. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, it looks like you made it across. Welcome back to State of the Steelers. Welcome back to the show on your Behind the Steel Curtain podcast, uh, family of podcasts. Also, guys, don't forget, if you're looking for any other you know updates, up-to-the-minute updates, things of that nature, go check out our website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Uh, that's, it's the number one stop shop, however you want to say it, <laughs> the nonstop shop, the one-stop shop, uh, all of the above for the Pittsburgh Steelers news and coverage. And breaking news, I was struggling with that. I apologize. Breaking news coverage, things of that nature. Uh, anything you want to find out about the Pittsburgh Steelers, you can read upon there at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You know, when you're reading their articles, let them know I sent you over. Say Daniel J from State of the Steelers said hi. So we're talking defense. We're, we're thinking, we're trying to figure out, is there possibly a way that the Pittsburgh Steelers can slow down this dynamic receiving core? and stop the Miami Dolphins in Miami in prime time and the return of, of uh, Tua Tagovailoa. 
<laughs> I hope I'm saying that correctly. So the first thing I want to kind of talk upon when it comes to our defense is going to be the health of the defense. Last week, they were depleted, especially in the secondary. I was super concerned. I still chose the Pittsburgh Steelers to win last week. Um, as hopefully y'all can recall, I still predicted the Pittsburgh Steelers would win, not because I thought that they were going to outperform or that the secondary was going to somehow, you know, become these great elite cornerbacks and safeties um, that are just sitting in our depth chart behind our stars. I wasn't anticipating that. I was I was very concerned about this game. I was worried about it. You're going up against Tom Brady, a guy who has seen every coverage, seen every trick, seen there, every trick in the book. There's not much you can do against him. Well, with that being said, uh, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, backup cornerbacks and one safety did just that. Now, this week, Pittsburgh Steelers should be getting some healthy, some healthy um, corners and depth back. Uh, you're looking at Camp Sutton. He's been um, a <clears throat> he's been out last week. He was a full participant participant uh, already with his hamstring, and so is Aquila Weatherspoon. So those are going to be our top two cornerbacks. I anticipate these two guys coming back. We're going to need them going up against Waddle and Tyreek Hill, uh, two guys that are extremely fast. I think Akilah Witherspoon is going to have a Dave with him. I hope his hamstring is loose because he's going to have to be chasing those guys. Both of these guys, I hope their hamstrings are loose because they're going to be chasing him up and down. Levi Wallace was in the concussion protocol, didn't play last week because of it. He's been a full participant. Minka Fitzpatrick's been a full participant with his knee. Uh, James Pierre, he's been a limited. He's got a hip. Uh, Miles Jack, he he's, you know, I noticed him during the game that he was limping around. It was noticeable, but, you know, he was still able to be out there and, and be a dynamic force on the defense and, and be disruptive. I anticipate him still being out there. Um, you know, Larry Ogunjobi, he went down with a knee injury early, in, uh, not early, but he went down with a knee injury in the game, and he's he went back. He was able to be also a, a disruptor on the front uh, defensive line. In my opinion, him and Cam Hayward had themselves a game last week. Did they? Did they or what? I mean, the pressure that they were able to put and apply to Tom Brady, uh, it was amazing. It really was. It, it forced him to make decisions at, at key moments faster than he wanted to. And it caused some inaccurate throws from a guy who's known to be very accurate. So, <laughs> you know, the front defensive interior line did amazing. They did a fantastic job. Louder Milk, oh, my God, he did a great job coming in for um, Larry um, – coming in for DeMarvin Leal, who was placed on IR. You know, that was a surprise, too. That happened earlier in the week. He was a full participant, and then the next day he was placed on IR. Apparently he had some kind of knee surgery. Uh, doesn't seem like it's going to be one that's a season ender or anything like that. It's anticipated that he'll probably be back sometime at, at some point in the season. Uh, given the fact that he's a rookie and things of that nature, I don't anticipate it being the four-week variety. Uh, I think he may be uh, somebody that's coming in on maybe about six, seven weeks from now, just because once he does get healed from the injury, he still got to get back on that moving train, as Mike Tomlin likes to say, and, you know, get reacclimated to the speed of the defense and and get comfortable and, and build rebuild that chemistry. So just because he's a rookie and, and those types of things, I think he's a guy that's probably going to be out for a little bit longer than anticipated. You know, had he been, 
you know, somebody else uh, a little bit more experienced on the team, maybe perhaps, you know, that that um, that jump back into the things isn't so long or drastic or played out. But, you know, Loudermilk, he played great. He played in lieu of the injury to uh, or the injured DeMarvin Leal. And another guy that I think that is finally getting a little bit of praise, especially after he's been ridiculed this entire probably in the last year and a half now, uh, is Devin Bush. Man, especially in when it, when the Steelers needed him in the coverage the most, did he come in clutch? You know, uh, it was reported that when he was talking after the game that that he knew that Tom Brady was going to target him and that they were going to go to Chris Godwin and and he he read it and he made a play and boy did we need that play because at that point the Steelers never gave the ball back to Tom Brady never did never gave it back they ran down the clock and and became the uh, uh, victors by two points and shocked the world so to speak but Devin Bush. You know, he made a huge play on that game and not just that play. I mean, he was getting he's been getting more involved. He's been throwing his face in the pile, so to speak. He's been becoming more of a physical uh, dynamic player and kind of showing some sparks of of Devin Bush pre ACL injury. I I think he if he can continue on this upward trajectory, he can, he's probably going to play himself out of a contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that's a good problem to have at this point. You know, he is on his last year of his rookie deal. The Steelers did not, um, you know, tag his fifth year. So he's going to be a, uh, an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. And you know, unless the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, do the franchise tag on him. But if he's playing to that capability, then that's a good thing to have and a good problem to have this year. You know, I think that him showing in that clutch situation at the end of the game, you know, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady trying to tie, and he's able to come up in that situation, I think we're going to start to see more Devin Bush instead of Robert Spillane. And that's not to take anything away from Robert Spillane. I think Robert Spillane played well given the surroundings that he had. You know, when you look at it, well, when you look at vanilla defenses and you look at a defense in preseason, they leave their players in an island and and kind of say, all right, you know, you have to be athletically gifted to, um, you know, be a part of this defense and show off. If not, you're a cerebral guy, kind of like Robert Spillane is, then you might suffer in those situations. And so when you get into the regular season, you start getting into um, schemes and, and, and you get into defensive game plans, you protect certain players based on their weaknesses. And given the fact that the entire secondary outside of Terrell Edmonds was injured last week, a lot of that scheming to protect him probably wasn't there. In fact, they were probably scheming to protect those players that normally would be helping protect him. And so when you look at that type of situation and you see the plays that he made, yeah, he, he, he got, they got, Tom Brady got the best of him in a couple of plays, but he was definitely bend but don't break. He had a huge pass breakup in the end zone, which led to a field goal. When you look at the outcome of the game, if if uh, Robert Spillane breaks in that situation, um, Steelers may lose that game. So big, big kudos to him. But 
you know, Devin Bush, in my opinion, he was drafted top 10. He was drafted because of his ability, sideline to sideline speed and his coverage ability. He may be now the guy that's going to be start taking over those snaps and kudos to him. He deserves it. He's had a rough couple of years. He was dealing with the ACL injury where if you look across the board last season, players that were coming back off of the ACL injury didn't come back as quickly as he did and were limited when they did. I mean, you look at Zach Banner. He was a guy that also went down earlier than Devin Bush. He had less of a recovery time. I get it. He's a much bigger, larger man. But he had less recovery time, things of that nature. And, you know, you see that it took him so long. And he's no long, he's not even in the NFL right now. But you see how long it can take some of these players. And having Devin Bush in there last year, I mean, maybe that injury, not just physically, but psychologically, could have had, you know, some kind of impairment towards him, especially towards his play. And I think he's getting over that. And that's a good thing for him. And that's a positive thing. Now, the quarterback that they're going to be going up against is going to be Tua Tagovailoa. He's back off of his concussion as well. He's got some dynamic receivers on the outside. In order for the Pittsburgh Steelers to to slow him down and to to stop this, they're going to have to get heavy pass rush on him. And there's there's a chance here. I mean, you look at the offensive tackles for um, the for the Miami Dolphins. They're Teron Armstead, he's been limited this entire year with a toe injury. You have Greg Little, who's listed as their starting right tackle. He's been also limited with an Achilles. You know, Teron Armstead, he's not played the best this year because of the injury. You know, our leading, you know, the NFL sack leader currently right now is Alex Highsmith with six and a half. He's going to have to show up during this game and, and really make Mr. Armstead uncomfortable and put him in a position where he's going to have to be more, you know, uh, athletic than he wants to be. And, you know, with Alex Highsmith's speed, I think he's going to be able to take advantage of this mismatch because of the injury. And he's going to have to acquaint himself early and often with Tua in order to disrupt, you know, what kind of chemistry they could have, you know, which, like I said, he might be a little bit rusty at this point. He's missed quite a bit of time. In fact, the last time they saw him was on a Thursday night, so it was even further away than what it could have been. And so, you know, he's going to have some rust there. Let's not let him get in rhythm. Let's not let him get uh, some build some chemistry back. And so for the first key of victories, we need to attack Tua and get him on the ground early and often and get him uncomfortable. That's my first key of the game. And the second one is, I think you, you, you're going to have to put out there a lot of DBs. So you're going to have to get this pressure with just your front four, just given the fact that how many speed demons you have, you know, with the Miami Dolphins receiving core, um, we're going to, the Steelers are going to have to apply pressure with just four, three to four defensive linemen. Now, maybe doing some kind of trickery, you know, sending four, but, Making that fourth one a question mark as to where he's coming from, that could play a pivotal role. And so, you know, defensively, the Steelers need to pressure Tua, get him uncomfortable, and and get him off the field. You know, third down and long cannot be another. This cannot be another game where third down third down and long becomes a uh, 
a plus for the other team. They're like, hey, you know, the, the longer it is, the better. It, that can't happen this game. We can't allow teams to be converting at, those, at that rate. Demonte Casey's returned to practice. He's not yet, you know, put on the 53. And I'm not sure if he will. You know, he was he was going through a suspension. He was uh, he's he was also on IR. So he's back with the team. You know, early in training camp and in preseason, the Steelers were impl- uh, were putting out the three safety set. I'm not sure they want to put that on paper in this game right now or on tape. I'm sorry. I think that might be something that they go up against next week against the uh, undefeated and still will be undefeated Philadelphia Eagles as they're on a bye this week. And so they got to, you know, that's probably going to be one of their toughest matchups outside of the Buffalo Bills that they had earlier this year. Uh, It's definitely going to be a tough matchup. So that might be something that they're going to deploy then kind of confuse Jalen Hurts. But we'll talk more about that then. You know, I don't I don't know if he's going to get a hat this week. I think Trey Norwood, he had a bounce back week uh, this past game uh, playing for the um, the injured Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, he didn't ha- he didn't let anybody go deep on him and beat him like he did with Gabe Davis the following uh, uh, against D- Gabe Davis and Buffalo. And so it's uh, I think the Steelers are going to deploy this, but. You know, the Steelers just got to last because I think there's a possibility and kind of going full circle here that the Pittsburgh Steelers can return to form, so to speak. You know, you look at the defense and you look at week one when you had the reigning defensive player of the year and T.J. Watt on the field. And you look at, at how healthy the defensive back, backs were at that time and, and what kind of um, dominance they were able to showcase against the Cincinnati Bengals. Those players are still going to be at, able to come back and be active on this team at certain points in this season, probably after the buys when we're probably going to see our most healthiest team again. But they're coming back. And and when they do, and you, you look at Larry Ogunjobi, you look at um, DeMarvin Leal, who's improving. I know he's on IR, but Loudermilk came in, stepped in for him finally. Uh, did a fine job, I mean. I think this defense can get back to a top, top tier defense. And if the Pittsburgh Steelers can do that, this offense is, you know, trending in the right trajectory. Uh, hopefully, I know it's one game, but, you know, you look at that first drive, that first drive with Kenny Pickett, and you look at what they were able to do with Mitch Trubisky in the second half, it really did seem like they were beginning to execute a little bit better. And so when you pair those two things up and you pair the fact that the AOC North, is kind of you know in the dumps right now there's there's a good possibility if the pittsburgh steelers continue to you know this upward trajectory and start the uh, and continue to execute appropriately and defense continues to get healthy i think this could be a team that can shock some people later in the season the Steelers cannot drop this game. They cannot fall back on another AFC opponent. Right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers have lost to four AFC opponents. And that's going to be some issues when it comes to some tiebreakers later on. So Pittsburgh Steelers need to win this game. I'm predicting them to win this game. I'm predicting the Steelers to, to win this game 27-23. And I think that... I think Kenny Pickett gets multiple passing TDs in this game. 
But that's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed it. Please hit me up on Twitter if you have any comments or questions about the show. You know, anything you want me to bring up or talk about. I uh, have any questions. I'll I'll answer your questions on the show. Hit me up on Twitter. You can find me at State of Steelers. Um, you can also find me on YouTube at State of the Steelers. You know, I do a weekly uh, weekly content on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And don't forget, guys, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your nonstop, one-stop shop for Pittsburgh Steelers news and coverage. Go check it out. That being said, I'm Daniel J. I'm out of here.